welcome to The Engineer and the Rabbi. I'm Nat Lockshin, The Engineer. And I'm Rabbi Daniel Rabin, The Rabbi. Welcome back to our podcast. Good to, good to chat with you, Nat. How's your week been since we last spoke? Yeah, our, our weekly podcast, it seems like. You know, lockdown, there's not much else to do. Just get on Zoom and, and chat about what's going on. I'm doing well, you know, working from home, um, as I have been for pretty much 12 months plus since the beginning of the pandemic last year. Another fourth lockdown still going, maybe end in sight, maybe not. How about you, Rabbi? Yeah, look, I mean, the last time we spoke, we were debating whether we would be in another week of lockdown. And obviously, as you just uh, explained, we did get put into another week. Um, it's looking like we'll be out of lockdown this coming Friday, but certainly with uh, limited uh, restrictions being removed. So we'll still have... I think limits on home visits and shul numbers and so on. So anyway, look, it's it's out of our control, but take it one day at a time. And yeah. I think um, hopefully the next time we talk, we'll be out of lockdown. And how is it for you um, not being able to run your the shul services on the weekend or anything? What's your day-to-day like as a rabbi with a congregation in lockdown? Yeah, look, it's, it's, it's a really different structure, you know, without being able to have a... a the ability to meet in the shul and to meet in person. I mean, a number I was supposed to have a number of weddings to officiate this month, and those have all been postponed. Um, of course, you know, the daily shul services, morning and evening, Shabbat, and also just meeting with bar mitzvah families and people coming to the office. Uh, although, you know, you could do things online, um, it, it misses the, the personal connection. So, yeah, it's a bit different. I mean, there is, there is a sense of calmness and there is a sense of, Life has slowed down a bit, which which is not a bad thing, but I think two weeks is enough. We can look and we can get back into our routine. And as I said, you know, I want to get back to meeting couples, meeting people, giving face-to-face your in, uh, and all and all that comes along with that, you know. Just a thought after what you were saying then. I know we've gone through a number of lockdowns, long, extended, but also some short five and seven day um, lockdowns and so the rest of Australia. We as Jews, we do Shabbat weekly where phones off, you know, everything's off. It's, it's really a focused on family, um, praying in the synagogue, um, praying to Hashem. Do, what do you think just off the cuff about maybe um, the communities needing like a five to seven day, you know, annual Shabbat lockdown to, to get back to it? I, I definitely find that connecting with the kids you know you can go to the park just as well and focus on your kids on any weekend but on a lockdown weekend where there's no other option you seem to just focus more inside the family on everyone in there there's no there's no more distractions than on a normal weekend i wonder if that's a benefit for society it's so interesting you asked that i had a chat to someone the other day and they said oh we need this every six months we need a, a week lockdown and I think, you know, the, that's probably pushing it. I don't know if we'll get it every six months, but I, I fully agree. And I think there's a real difference between, you know, because you can go on holiday, but I think the knowledge that everyone's sort of at home makes you much more calmer. You know, like when you, I always find that I get anxiety when I go on holiday because I know that things are still happening around me. And it's like, so you've taken time out, but there's still all these responsibilities because everyone else is still working or things are still happening. And I think that there's, there's, there's a bit of comfort in that concept of everyone's address. It's almost like you said, like a weekly Shabbos. 
you know, that everyone's, you know, it's Shabbos for everybody. And so, you know, I, I see great value in that, in that concept, whether it will ever happen. <laughs> I think we live in a very monetized society. So I don't know if without the excuse of a, of a pandemic, I don't know how it will ever happen, but it's, a, it's something which should certainly be, I think, raised to the forefront. I don't think it will ever happen. And definitely the economy would make sure people want to open up businesses. But to what you said, definitely it's because everyone else is in lockdown. Everyone else can't go outside. The only option is to maybe go for a walk with someone one-on-one. -on -one. You're not going to a play center. You're not having big dinners. You're focusing on the conversation. I, I personally have benefited from a lot of these lockdowns, haven't um, been too much impacted in my work. I've been able to thank God work from home quite well. I know it won't happen, but just thinking about it now, it is nice to have, have that time where you, you don't have anyone else pressuring you or you feel that pressure of the outside world to do something different and you can just focus on the inside. 100%. Now, um, so look, who knows what will happen? Who knows what will come in the future? But I, I came across an article in the Age newspaper yesterday which I thought would be quite interesting to just have a chat about it. Um, the, the title of the article is The Largest Dinosaur Discovered in Australia, True World Heavyweight. And they're going to explain that this dinosaur grew up to 30 meters long and up to six meters high at the hip, basically as long as a basketball court and two stories tall. So quite a, quite a large animal. That's a big one. That's a really big one. And um, they say that it was 95 million years ago which, of course, you know, seems to go counter or contradict the Jewish belief that the world is 5,781 years old. And a question which I've been asked numerous times is, is, there a, is the belief in dinosaurs against Jewish belief? Is it against the Torah? Does the Torah believe dinosaurs existed? Does it not believe dinosaurs existed? And I thought it would just be an interesting thing to discuss. My, my, my youngest son is a, used to be a dinosaur-holic. He loved dinosaurs. A lot of kids love dinosaurs and even adults, you know, who are fascinated, mesmerized. I mean, today with the, the ability to recreate them digitally, you know, and to watch how they may have looked and how they may have acted, it's, it's, it is quite fascinating. So I'm going to ask you a question, Matt, and see where your mind's at. I don't know if you've any, ever looked at this from a Torah perspective, but what would you say majority of Jews think in terms of the belief in dinosaurs, whether it's consistent or inconsistent with Jewish belief? I'm definitely not going to go for what is the majority of Jews because there's no way I will satisfy what the majority of Jews think of to anything. Okay. I, I've heard two different takes on dinosaurs and the Jewish um, Torah and the Bible. One I've heard is the world is 5,781 years old, as you said. That's when the whole um, world and the universe was created. And anything we find in the ground or anywhere on earth was put there by Hashem for different reasons for us to discover and look about and learn what yeah. we can about it. But it's only because of that omnipotent um, being Hashem that they exist there. And the other um, uh, things I've seen is that the story of creation, those seven days, the first five days or whatever could what is a day is it 24 hours that we know then not that we know now those days could potentially be 
you know, millions or billions of years of the creation and our concept of time is, is not what it is. And then you come to day six when um, Hashem created man, et cetera. And that's when, you know, that's what happened 5,781 years old. So those are the two Jewish opinions I've heard from. I'll ask you, what do you, what do you think? Well, I think firstly, the first thing to realize is that Judaism, um, and I think this was one of the impetuses when we spoke about this podcast, was that Judaism has always been compatible with science. And, you know, if you look at um, the Rambam, the, the medieval philosopher, Maimonides, who is obviously well known as a, as a physician, philosopher, halachist, you know, who, who wrote um, what we call the Mishnah Torah. And he wrote something really interesting. He said that any conflict that a person or that's, that any seeming conflict between Torah and science can come from one of two things, either a lack of scientific knowledge or a defective understanding of the Torah knowledge. And so he, his belief was that the Torah knowledge is always consistent and should always be consistent. But obviously with one of those two reasons I've just mentioned, it's inco- it feels inconsistent, but the Torah should always be viewed in light of prevailing scientific theory. And he obviously said that science is obviously one of the primary paths to knowing Hashem. Hashem gave us, like you mentioned, Hashem gave us tools and the, these wondrous concepts of science, and therefore dinosaurs should be no different, and the age of the world should be no different. And so, you know, going specifically into dinosaurs, um, there are many commentaries who speak about that if you look in the Torah itself, there actually is a hint to dinosaurs, because it says that Hashem created what we call the Taninim Hagidolim, the great Tanin. What were these great Taninim? And so many commentators say that Tanin is actually like a snake. If you look um, uh, when Moshe, Moses is confronted with, with Pharaoh, he said, throw your stick and it will, it'll be turning to this snake. So what is a great snake? So many say that that was actually referring to dinosaurs, that they were these great creatures and they were wandering the earth. Um, and the question is, what happened to them? And if they did exist, why did they become extinct? And so some say that Hashem actually caused the extinction because they were, they were being too, they were multiplying too much and they were causing devastation to the world. They were just too big. Um, and so they could very much have existed. As I said, the Torah, in fact, does say that there were these Taninim Hagdolim, these great creatures that existed, but they unfortunately died. They died out. And some say that it actually in the flood of Noah, that's when Hashem actually caused their extinction that they didn't survive through the flood of Noah and Noah didn't take any dinosaurs onto the ark for the obvious reason that they were too big to be accompanied onto the ark. So I think it's really fascinating when you think about that, you know, that these creatures did exist and, and certainly that science can help us understand and envision how they would have looked, but it's not contradictory to the Torah. You know, it's not contradictory to belief in the Jewish world. And I think maybe we'll spend another time on one of our, a future podcasts looking at the age of the world because that in itself is another interesting question which you did you did present one answer in terms of how do we view the the, the days of creation you know but we certainly love to chat about that but in terms of dinosaurs yeah it would have been fascinating to go to the prehistoric times to the times of noah and to see what these animals would have looked like walking around so these great snakes is Where's the reference in the Torah to that? Is that in the days of creation or somewhere yeah, so else? It says, it says if you look in, I think it's in uh, Bereshit, um, maybe in chapter one, uh, probably in the verse, between verse 15 and 25, it would say there, these taninim hagdolim, these great 
and again, what is the Tanin? So we only get reference to the Tanin later on in the story of Shmot, in the story of Exodus, where Moses throws his sticks and it turns into a Tanin, which is a snake. So Taninim Hagdolim, the great Taninim. Many would say that the Torah was referring to these great serpents or these great uh, um, reptiles, which were the dinosaurs. I like that the Torah and science can coexist. It's, you don't have to have cognitive distance or anything to hold both values true um, in your mind at the same time. Because, you know, my belief um, in the Jewish tradition and all the teaching, as well as my love of science and engineering, etc., I value both of those. And I personally don't have many conflicts in my own mind coming to terms with, with them equally. And, yes. you know, I like these conversations with you, Rabbi, where, you know, can affirm at least that they should not be in conflict and that we should be working together. Absolutely. And I think, you know, I, I have seen this in the past where I've noticed, you know, a dinosaur toy, you know, and I see like a religious family say, put that away. That's, that's anti-Jewish. You know, that's against our belief. And I'm thinking, hold on a minute. It's not against our belief, right? Um, yes, we don't say the world is millions of years old. But remember, that's all that's all in perspective and that's all relative to how you how you're judging. And as I said, we we don't have enough time to go through that particular aspect. And I think maybe next week we can even do that. We'll look at the age of the universe and see different perspectives from some of the great um, rabbis who've addressed this and some of the great philosophers. But certainly, you know, it's, it's we shouldn't shy away from trying to reconcile these two worlds. And as the Rambam said, science helps us appreciate God. It gives us a much deeper sense of how great God is. So we shouldn't, we shouldn't hide away from it. We should, we should really be, um, you know, and, and I, I, I recall another conversation that I remember in Yeshiva, someone said, do you believe in dinosaurs? And I said, no, I believe in God. And I'm thinking, you know, those, they're not two, they're not two distinct beliefs. So really, if you, if you want to go out and buy your child, or if you're an adult, you want to go buy a, a you know, a toy set of dinosaurs, by all means, go ahead and do it. What do you think the dinosaurs looked like? Because there's many different interpretations of them through cinema, through drawings, etc. Where do you well, stand? Well, I think you know that's where I think we, we really need to respect and and value science. You know the fact that they've taken these fossils and through their method of reconstructing them, I think that that the look um, that we see is probably very accurate in in many ways. You know, I think that they the re, the, the process of recreating them. Um, it's probably following a very accurate or as close to accurate as possible as we have. So I, I can't imagine them any other way. And, you know, you look at certain animals today, like crocodiles, and you probably think they were sort of bigger, looks bigger, you know, they look bigger than a crocodile today, but that type of experience, you know? It's interesting. I've looked, I've listened to a few things and there's quite a number of books on this because back um, in the early 1900s, um, when dinosaurs were starting to be discovered, they thought they were these big, great, slow animals and were often drawn like in a swamp and like slow moving and didn't do much. And then there was a renaissance of conceptually drawing them much leaner and faster. Um, and that led, it, led into sort of the Jurassic Park style look of, of dinosaurs. But even lately, there's been a number of books published that are giving um, different people 
artistic license to draw what a dinosaur could look like yes. at, with that, where in the, in the bounds of that science can't disprove that they look like it because for millions of years or however they're preserved, you're going to get bone. Very, very rarely will you get any sort of indentation of skin, etc. but definitely no color, things like feathers or any other extremities are, you can't see them. If you look at a, um, a elephant, which is this, you know, amazing, great, big, big ears, long trunk, very distinctive, there, the fossil, the, the skull of the elephant has no trunk in it. So in, if you, someone were to dig it up and then try and render what an elephant looks like, what is the chance that they're gonna draw this very distinctful trunk? It'll probably have a short nose and like little ears. So it'll be this sort of Definitely. gangly thing. So you're saying, so uh, that's really interesting. So you're saying we're just, we're just creating these images based on things that already exist. It, it's conceptual. And then there's people who are starting to look at, you know, you mentioned crocodiles, but there's um, certain types of seal that have these nasal sacs, these nose sacs, these big air balloons that um, come out of their nose. So people are starting to draw them um, in dinosaurs because yes. there's, there is no way for current science and fossils to disprove that these animals didn't have those features. I find that interesting. I don't know if, um, well, maybe Jurassic Park could be a lot more colorful um, with, <laughs> with a bit more artistic yeah, license. But. Also great marketing. It's great tools to sell things. But I was just coming across as we were talking, I, um, I've got a, a book over here a safer which um asks all different questions and i just see it just i'll just um mention what he brings here there's a famous rabbi by the name of Yisrael Lifshitz who he wrote a, a safer called Tiferet Israel, which was a commentary on the Mishnah basically and he said when he when he received the news of fossil discoveries in the 19th century he, he said i received it with a great delight and he he confirmed that everything we knew along and he brings over there from uh, the Midrash, Bereshit Rabbah, that it says that it was, you know, it was evening, it was morning. Um, that's in Bereshit. And he says, according to the Kabbalah, that there was actually these series of times before creation, I think you mentioned this slightly, where Hashem created worlds and then destroyed them, approving them and not others. So it was almost like there were these different creations of, of time in the world that continued to have basically seven times, according to Kabbalah each time the world becoming a bit more, I guess, more closer to perfection. And it's possible that in each of these creations, there was things that came and died and, and lived and died and lived and died. And that could possibly be the explanation of these fossils. I, I know you did say that maybe Hashem created the world with fossils. Uh, a lot of the commentators do want to suggest that that's not a, that we don't want to sort of go to that. Firstly, um, it's not a great test, you know, to see that we, we believe in, you know, the divinity of the Torah, but more so it's, you know, we don't want to be over presumptuous as to what Hashem did hide for us or didn't hide for us. So more so to believe that these animals in fact did exist, but either, as I said, they died during the flood or they were part of earlier creations. Um, but yeah, as I said, go out and buy a dinosaur and enjoy it. Yeah, my son definitely is in love with dinosaurs. Exactly. So... Yeah, so look, I think next time, uh, I don't want to hold us to it in case we come up with a, with a more catchy, uh, relevant thing in the media or something comes up, but I think it'll be worthwhile chatting about time um, in our next uh, podcast. So don't hold us to it, but 
if you do join us next time, you'll likely find us talking about evolution, time, how things have moved along. Well, I guess evolution is another whole topic, but let's talk about, let's look at time next time. Um, and we will look forward to, to chatting to it about with each other. And of course with you. Sounds good, Rabbi. I hope you have a good week and I may or may not be in New South Wales across the border, depending on uh, what coronavirus has in store for us. So we can do our first remote, remote podcast recording, which, which will be another endeavor. Wonderful. So stay healthy, everyone. Keep well and um, we look forward to chatting to you next time. Sounds good.